Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Chelsea, keeping you up to date on the latest news from Stamford Bridge. Match recaps, previews, presented by WorldSoccerShop.com. It's the London is Blue podcast. Here's your hosts, Brandon, Dan, and Nick. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. As always, my name is Brandon, joined with Nick and Dan. I mean, it's not a bad start to this post-Christmas pod, Nick. It only took us three times of starting to actually... Look a little rusty. Maybe maybe you've had a couple of Christmas beverages that have influenced uh, proceedings. But I think, uh, Dan, I think we're ready to, to rock and roll. Yeah, n- never a bad time for spiked eggnog, Nick. Mm. Unless you're lactose intolerant, at which at that point mm. I would uh, recommend against the mm. consumption of it. Well, I mean, you can't blame me for having a couple, you know, glasses of bubbly since Antonio Conte led the cheers at the press conference. So, you know, as Liam Toomey was putting on Instagram perks of the press room, uh, you know, on Boxing Day. But joining us, you know, bringing in the... Uh, the almost New Year spirit with us. We've got Jeff Borzilla from ESPN, college hoops expert. How's it going, Jeff? Welcome back. 
Yeah, it's my third time on. I'm excited. And, and Chelsea sleepwalked through the first half of their match, so we'll excuse you for a couple of mistakes early also. Well, I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, mainly because we really don't have any other choices at this point. So um, real quick, shout out to Haji Star on iTunes for giving us that five-star review. Again, we'll always give you a shout out if you do that. It's a huge way to show you support us, but also helps other Chelsea fans and soccer football fans find us in the iTunes store. Um, a little throwback, Dan. TC Blue Lions, so the <laughs> non-official Chelsea Supporters Club here in the Twin Cities, uh, has a request. Is that a group of one? Isn't it the- Technically two, <laughs> him and Dana. Let's not, yeah, okay. let's not put numbers on things, Dan. You know? no, 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 no labels, not like yeah. your presence under the tree. They, they have, have a flag. A ambiguous. So they're official. Yeah. They have a flag. Uh, they, they did indicate that they would like another live pods at Brits sometime soon. But Brandon, it's uh, negative what six, negative seven. Uh, it's not happening in the winter time. That's Again, just FYI. What's with numbers? Let's focus <laughs> on the important part. You guys aren't in Minneapolis. Yep, that's true. So maybe maybe that's a, a spring or fall time activity, um, the live pod thing. But you know, TJ, we just uh, respect. It's it's been a while since we've shouted you out. We should throw it out there in case anyone else thinks that we should do a live pod in their area. Let us know. I mean, Jeff, yeah. you're in New York. Maybe we should just get the band together in New York. There it but is. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely not more tropical here than your single-digit weather, but it's. You know, I, I think the Chelsea supporters group is bigger than in the Twin Cities. All right. Shot across across the bow. (laughs) He basically took uh, Chad's heart out of his chest. (laughs) Yeah. Look, we know know what we are, and we're proud of it. Um, Didn't know we were going to have a ritual sacrifice here on the show. That was was (laughs) nice. Um, Nick, let's do our shout out to World Soccer Shop right off the bat. Um, Obviously, plenty of Chelsea gear there. In case you didn't get your fix this holidays, what else, you know, we got going on with world soccer shop so so dan um you know as as we were perusing twitter on a fine christmas morning there there was you know a lot of tweets coming in you know you you put out a question asking what was kind of your chelsea holiday haul and uh a lot of people responded with some uh some pretty sick merch huh not even as a sick merch Uh, really cool you know uh james black one of our listeners uh, got the nice uh third kit style zip up uh, you know, the, the hoodie action there, but he also has a new fiance, which is a pretty exciting. Uh, she said yes on Christmas was that, day. Was that like a buy one, get one free t- type of deal? Or <laughs> that how did is that a work? terrible, terrible joke. <laughs> no, uh, not at all. Come on. That guys. was awful. Can we not have a little levity in this post Christmas time? Come on. So, uh, congratulations to James and, uh, the future Mrs. Black, or, uh, if he takes her name, whatever her last name is, uh, because it is 2017 and it's the future. That's right. That's right. Uh, and then we also saw uh, one of our uh, two of our listeners, actually, uh, Stephen Smith and T. Hildy, uh, one with the wife, one with the fiance, both expecting and uh, both ended up with some wonderful onesies to raise this child as a proper blue from mm-hmm. the moment uh, that they exit the womb and enter into uh, what we call the real world. Nicholas. Now, what I like about Steve is he used the proper pronunciation uh, assist Piliqueta, um for, for the kit that he got, uh, which I think is, is the way to go. Um, the, the baby is fully kitted out. I mean, th- when this thing arrives, it's going to be nothing but blue and Chelsea logos. And that's fantastic. Uh, our, our boy T Hildy is also in this, 
uh, in this kind of same vein is is getting his uh, future um, son or daughter in uh, in the right garb as well. So uh, you know, I think we just have congratulations all around, Dan, to uh, to a, a fantastic holiday season. Yeah, and you know, if you didn't get what you wanted underneath the tree next to the menorah or kind of close in proximity to a Festivus bush, you know, head over to worldsoccershop.com and you can It's a Festivus uh, pole, Dan. It's Festivus pole. <laughs> and get exactly what you were looking for that uh, you weren't gifted at this point of the year. Well, it's good to see so many Chelsea fans getting hooked up with the proper gear at Christmas. But it's time to do the match review. That's what all of you are here for. So let's go ahead and deliver that. Obviously, Chelsea played Brighton Hove Albion in the Premier League at Stamford Bridge this past Tuesday, December 26th also known as Boxing Day. And no, there wasn't a boxing match. I saw some tweets about that. But hmm. the Blues 2, Seagulls 0. Uh, Mark on Facebook with the correct score prediction. Again, he's got two from the last three matches correct. Man's Dude's a bookie, man. Man's he's not ridiculous. <laughs> no, man is hot, clearly. Um, he's, a, he's on a heater, Jeff. Uh, that's that's <laughs> kind of what people in the biz call that. It's the biz. That is what I am. That's true. I'm in the biz. <laughs> All right, back, Dan. To, back to your regular scheduled programming, Brandon. <laughs> Dan, three five one one was the formation. So another change, kind of back to Antonio Conte's favored formation. But we still had some changes. Yeah, we, we did see Tebow between the sticks. Aspilicueta, Gary Cahill in the central role as Andreas Christensen scums to a little, little bit of sickness. Rudiger to uh, the other side of Mr. Cahill. Then Moses Fabregas, Conte, Bakayoko, Alonso in that mid five. And uh, boy, Eden Hazard and Alvaro Morata on the top. While on the bench, we saw Willie see Danny D, Davy Zappacosta, Ethan, you know, the uh, ankle breaker, uh, basically uh, killed uh, Bournemouth's potential season. And uh, William. Pedro and uh, Mishi all rounded out the lineup. And uh, we, we did have some uh, some call-outs there, Brandon, from a few of our uh, wonderful listeners. Of course. So at Aerith Muggle, uh, supporter on Patreon, says, when Cahill achieves a 98% pass rate from his center back post, do the haters know they have to give him the <laughs> same credit they've been giving David Luiz and Andreas Christensen? Which we literally did that on the Fowler podcast, Nick. That that is true. I mean, we, we do live in a time of of equity and fairness. Um, I, I you know I think uh, as you look at the sweeper role, um, pass rating should be pretty high, Dan. Ninety five percent. Yeah, if it's if it's not, then you have a real problem. But um, you know, I think he played pretty well uh, for a guy who isn't used to that position. Hey Jeff, we got a couple tweets about the drink water uh, situation. Maybe not playing him in favor of Bakioko consistently. Uh, what are your thoughts on drink water and Bakioko? Well, I mean, I I feel like Bakioko is almost playing in a role that he's just not that good at. Uh, he's he's sort of playing in that that sort of third runner. He's supposed to you know get get balls in the box and sort of be that you know that. They're like lamp parties to make those runs and score. And that's just not, to me, what Bakayoko does. And, I mean, I don't know if Drinkwater does that either, though. So I do think that if they're going to play with three in the midfield, I do think that Drinkwater at least maybe would give them a little something different. When we see Conte and Bakayoko in a two-man midfield, to me that works really well. 
I just don't love Bakayoko in that sort of third, you know, runner midfield spot that that will have balls in the box and has to take some shots. It just doesn't seem like what he does. And to me, you know, giving Drinkwater a shot, he hasn't really played a ton, but he hasn't made a ton of mistakes when he's in there either. So uh, to me, giving him a shot in, in one of these upcoming matches, uh, you know, to me, would at least give uh, Antonio Conte a look at what, what a Conte Fabregas Drinkwater midfield would look like. Well, I think that, you know, Drinkwater's obviously had sickness and injuries. It's been quite unfortunate. Um, But I think a lot of Chelsea fans can agree that when we have seen Drinkwater, he's done quite well. So uh, shout out to at MAME717 and at Filmy747, Phil Tran, one of the real OGs uh, from London with us. That is true. All right. Couple match stats. Chelsea is 67% possession. Um, This time, Brighton only had 32 clearances, nothing like the ridiculousness of Everton. Uh, But as we run down the goals, 46 minute Murata back from suspension finds his form the only way he knows how. Off a cross from assist Piliqueta immediately at the start of the second half. Pretty slow start to the game, though, for the most part, Dan. It was a wonderful goal, though. Yeah, it was nice to see Aspilqueta and Morata hooking up again. And the sly little pass from Conte played forward. Aspilqueta just moves into a spot with a ton of space, sees his boy hanging up up there, and he's like, man, and that yellow card was whack. You didn't deserve to be out for the Everton game. I'm going to hook you up and just made it happen. Little uh, little Christmas Day gift, a little delayed from him. Perfect uh, perfect assist and wonderful header. And uh, 12, uh, 12 fantasy points later for Aspilicueta for, uh, for a clean sheet bonus too. I mean, it's a big day for him, obviously. Uh, next one in the 60th minute, Wonder Boy Marcos Alonso gets free on a Fabrias corner kick in the near post. Uh, and just glancing header to the far post, really. Didn't have to do too much, just redirected a little bit. You know, as far as I thought, Jeff, um, this was actually right after Alonso hit his free kick that was saved out. And so this was the immediately falling corner kick. Uh, good little spell from Marcos Alonso right there. Yeah, he also had another shot on target, I believe, right during that stretch, maybe before the free kick. So it was something like three shots in about 90 seconds for him, including the goal. Um, and it seems like when when Chelsea do play with the the two the two strikers, Hazard and Morata, he seems to Alonso seems to get involved a lot more in the box than when he's uh, you know playing when he when he they're, when they're playing with William and Pedro or somebody else out wide. It just seems like he's getting more involved, and and I think he's probably our. our second leading scorer, third leading scorer right now overall. So, uh, you know, the more he can get involved in the box, the better. Nick, where are you kind of standing on that? I mean, obviously, you know, it's good to see Chelsea score off their corners. They've been kind of switching up a lot lately. Played short a little bit. Uh, earlier, Fabregas played kind of down the end line to Hazard, catching Brighton off guard. I feel like that's something that's been a big change under Conte is that we don't just do the same thing every time. They're always looking for something different. Part of that to me, though, is that we, you know, have been changing up the lineup so much that you have players with different strengths kind of entering and exiting on a match by match basis. And so, you know, if you have a guy like Alonzo who, you know, might have a little bit more freedom against Brighton than he does against Man City to uh, to get forward, then uh, this is what can happen. I think Antonio Conte was. Uh, effusive in his praise for a guy that should be playing on the wing to get that far forward and to to have that big of an impact scoring goals. Uh, It's a major boost. And and we talked about it 
for the last few weeks is, you know, where are the other goals going to come from? Um, hopefully, you know, this is a chance for Morata to, to stay hot and contribute in that way as well. Well, Jeff, you were right. Marcus Alonso is tied for second most goals scored for Chelsea with Eden Hazard. Obviously, Morata up top with 10. Alonso Hazard on five. Pedro on three. And Bakayoko and Batshuayi and Willian tied on two. And then we have a handful of other people with one goal. So, uh, Nick, that kind of answers your question. They're not really coming like last season, but. Anyways, um, I kind of want to talk about that a little bit. So Chelsea have scored 34 goals in the Premier League this season, 12 of which have been headed goals. And Morata actually has six of those 12 <laughs> headed goals. Um, the dude knows what, what he does best and puts himself in the right position. Um, but Nick, do you see him as the main man capable of leading the line and getting other players involved? I mean, the biggest question is, would he be able to put an entire season together? Obviously, we don't know. But, I mean, he seems to really be stepping up and filling this Diego Costa-sized hole in the lineup. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, I think it's it's really funny when you when you think about Diego, you know, last year when things were kind of falling apart and he was, you know, in these kind of intermittent spats with Conte and stuff like that. You know, it was really easy to think about a guy like Morata in the team who doesn't cause trouble off the pitch and who is, you know, consistently there and, uh, you know, doing the things that Morata is doing now and be like, man, that's that's really what we want. And then there are days, you know, if you look back to some of Morata's uh, less imp- uh, impressive performances this year that you're like, man, I wish we had a warrior like Diego Costa uh, to come in and, and really, you know, charge the team up and fight other players and, you know, all this other stuff. So I, I don't know. Like, I don't know if you're ever going to have the answer to that question, to be honest with you. I think that they just do stuff differently. Morata is much more pro- prolific in the air um, than Diego Costa was. And I think uh, when you look at the headed goals tally, you know, essentially a third of our goals coming off of headers, that is a way different uh shift than last year um you know where i think we uh had a little bit maybe a little bit more fluid play and and notched in uh, a few more with the feet so uh you know i don't really know the answer to that question dan i I just think they do it differently and we have to be okay with that yeah it's not a a sliding doors moment for us about like what if we had Murata and diego casa that wasn't going to be in the cards for us but i think ultimately we have to enjoy the striker we have and understand that he's still growing into the Premier League. He's still learning how to score with his feet, apparently. Great with the head. Uh, opportunity to score more balls with the foots, as it were. And it would be nice to you know, kind of see him and, and I think really allow him to open up Hazard to score more, too. I think that's where... You know, it's not just about who's the top scorer on a team. It's where the second scorer comes from, where the third scorer comes from. And you look across, you know, the, the or up rather at the table and you crane your neck uh, 15 point, you know, 15 points upward to look and see where Man City are located. And, you know, it's because they have multiple goal scorers who are getting into the double digit range or are close to it. And uh, that that is such a massive difference for what we're able to offer from an attacking presence right now. Do you guys think this is sort of revisionist history? But do you guys think the plan was ever to have uh, to keep Costa and then get a, go get a striker like Morata and have both of them? Maybe not play them at the same time. Maybe play them at the same time on occasion. But do you think that was ever the the plan originally, as opposed to you know getting rid of Costa, bringing in Morata? I mean, to be honest with you, Jeff, like I think a lot of the 
Costa stuff started about this time last yeah. year. And like, I think we can all imagine a world where they're playing together. And that's a right. pretty frightening proposition, um, especially if and Hazard's kind of in, in the hole behind them. You know, that's a that's a freaking, you know, ridiculous situation. But I, I don't even I don't think there was ever a sal- you know, there, there are stories that, you know, the relationship with Diego was salvageable at the end and that, you know, if he didn't end up getting the, the transfer that he would have, uh, you know, had to work his way back into the team. But that Conte might have allowed it and, you know, all this other stuff. But, you know, I, I think there are a lot of ifs and buts out there um, about Diego. And I just don't think his attitude would have ever allowed for him to be a part of this team this year. That's fair. I just, yeah, I was just like, I, cause I'm, I'm like, you. Yeah, I saw all the, the reports on how, you know, he's trying to get back into the team, but I, I never sort of believed it. So I was just wondering if, uh, if I was the only one in that, in that camp. I mean, I was hoping for it. I actually yeah. predicted this summer that Diego <laughs> Costa would stay because we wouldn't be able to find a proper, you know, essentially fee with Atletico. It obviously did work its way out somehow. Um, and I thought that we'd have both of them. And so, I mean, it would have been a dream scenario without a doubt uh, because they would have had to push each other. Um, they wouldn't have been able to back down. Also, they're both Spanish looking to be the starting number nine for the world cup i think for us it would have been best case scenario those guys would have been just battling it out to make sure that they um you know were the number one striking selection going going into the world cup for spain but it you know clearly antonio conte and diego costa just there's no reconciliation there no path to kind of making that happen uh dan i guess jeff i want to bring it back to you though so with Morata, I mean, to me, I think he's so important and he proves that he does lead the line because when we don't have him, like we're lost. We maybe throw Hazard up there, maybe play a false nine, maybe not. But to me, like Chelsea doesn't click without a main striking target. And this season, it's only been Morata. Yeah, I mean, it's and it's when he's not in there and we're playing uh, you know, Hazard is the false nine or, or the sort of interchange with William and Pedro and Hazard. It's Chelsea still basically having the same sort of attack, which is get it out wide to either Alonso or Moses or if Sapacas is in there and then cross it in. And when Marat is not there, there's nobody, you know, with any sort of size to, to finish those. And you just talked about how many goals are coming from are coming in the air off Marat's headers or just in general. And when he's not in there, there's there's nobody that's like him in the air. And even right before, right, right at the end of the first half of the Brighton uh, match, they tried the Aspilicueta to Morata uh, cross and, and header and it missed. And and I wonder if if maybe going into halftime, Morata said, hey, if you get that ball maybe a split second earlier, I'm going to be open. I can finish that. And then obviously right after halftime, um, they, they come out and, and do the same thing. So. To me, it's just sort of the way that they're built this year in terms of how they're attacking. Um, it seems like Chelsea's crossing a lot more than they were last year. Um, it's it's not um, it, it's it, it's just not the same as it was, um, you know, in previous years. And it's it's more crosses and more finishes in the air. And without Morata, um, they just don't have that because even if you throw in Fabregas, you know, long balls over the top, it's it's still Morata on the end of those. It's not it's not really Hazard or Pedro or William or anybody like that. It's it's the way that that Chelsea's is attacking this year. It it needs a target man like Morata, and obviously Conte doesn't believe in Mishi to fill that role. So it's it's sort of Morata or bust at this point. 
Anything else you guys want to add on that, Dan and Nick? I mean, as far as that goes, obviously we know that, you know, the Mishi experiment just can't get any traction, which is terrible for the poor guy. But, I mean, you know, Marazza's the man as far as Chelsea season's concerned. I will say, and it's a really good point about kind of the, the crossing rate, and just, just kind of quickly, so we've attempted 418 crosses halfway through the, the season at this point. Um, you know, we only attempted 688 crosses in the entirety of all last season. So uh, very likely that we will eclipse that at the current rate if we continue to play the current style. And uh, that would definitely, you know, with only one kind of really tall target in the middle does present, I think, a frightening kind of proposition if, you know, we do uh, do lose a rata to injury for, for any kind of sustained period, especially with uh, Mishi uh, sitting there and, and kind of checking in on the water bottle supply occasionally. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see if anything happens in January. Obviously, it uh, is coming soon, very, very quickly, uh, in case anything does change. The next one I want to kind of talk about is what do you guys make of Chelsea's Spanish influence in the squad? It's not normally just as simple as, hey, they're Spanish, so they'll play great together. I think that it's actually been quite remarkable how just influential this this group of players is and you know we had a bit of a brazilian contingent which is now not nearly as strong our english core isn't nearly as strong either uh so i guess dan throwing it back to you i mean what do you make of this like core probably very influential in the locker room as well group of players that chelsea have you have a lot of winners you know you look at uh pedro you know you look at rata you know and, and they've been involved in winning sides fabregas you know as well as you know here you know as one of the bargains of the you know in the premier league era of you know a seven million pound transfer who's you know paying paying it back to chelsea over and over again every match he plays and you know, I think the funny thing is, you know, you look at that grouping, and and there's really, um, you know, only one of them, you know, maybe two from time to time, are, are actually starting for that that Spanish side. You know, you have Aspilicueta, who is, you know, playing, you know, back, you know, one or two spots. Alonso really doesn't, you know, get a look because they're not necessarily playing him in a, a left back position. Uh, they don't play with uh, with wingers typically. And, and Morata is really the one who's going to get the opportunity to play uh, play the most because he is their, their recognized you know, striking option. So really, really credible to see what they do. It'd be interesting to see if at some point their form could transition from playing together at Chelsea at the club level and then transition back into the national team because you know, they do get opportunities to play, but a you know, few of them are not. Uh, first choice selections, which maybe isn't down to them necessarily, but more to the overall talent that uh, Spain can pull from. Well, Nick, I guess from your standpoint, I know we've talked a lot about, you know, having a strong core to the Chelsea team. I know we don't have that many national team captains like we had in the late 2000, kind of, you know, 08, 9, 10 seasons. Um, But do you think like having this core group of players is like just as good or maybe not as good? But I guess what is your sense of like the Spanish influence uh, on this Chelsea team? I, I think the biggest influence I see, and, and maybe Jeff has a different perspective here, but um, the biggest influence I see is in the style of football that we play. Um, so I think they, you know, if you look at the, you know, 
probably 13, 14 season, you know, the four, two, three, one that we could reliably count on every week and, uh, you know, getting really narrow in the middle and, you know, not being able to play uh, simple balls in the box and how frustrated we were um, our first season of podcasting with, with some of that kind of final third passing over the last couple of years. And, you, you know, you can definitely count uh, all of these players in the mix, but um, over the last couple of years, you've definitely seen that improve and like our fluidity going forward improve. And I know Ed Hazard isn't Spanish and, you know, I know that there's, you know, a couple of other players that are involved here that um, are, are not of, of the Spanish national team, but uh, I think their influence is, is direct on the style of play. And obviously Dan, Dan had a really great, you know, kind of soliloquy there, but um you know, the, the winning mentality is evident and, and the style of play is evident to me, Jeff. Yeah, I think the important thing is that they all bring something different also. It's not they're not really redundant parts. I mean, with the Brazilian contingent, you had William and Oscar uh, and, and Ramirez, you know, those high energy guys that, that, you know, motor got up and down box to box type stuff. But, you know, you look at the Spanish contingent and it's who's the best crosser? It's Aspilicueta. Who's the best guy with long balls and, and best playmakers? Fabregas. Who's best on free kicks? It's Alonso. Who's the best striker? Morata. And then Pedro sort of a jack of all trades. It's, so to me, that's that's the biggest thing is that, you know, they all share a, a common bond, a link, but they also all bring something different. And, and to me, that just helps chemistry. They're not, you know, you don't have Alonso fighting with another Spanish left back. Um, you don't have, it, so there's no... You know, there's competition within the team, but there's not guys to say, oh, I have to beat him out for a spot on the national team also. So I just think that everyone's sort of on the same page, which helps um, the fact that they're, they're not all going for the same spot, one of the same, you know, 23, 25 uh, man spots for the World Cup. Yeah, I think Alonso is the one who's still missing out when it comes to the Spanish national team. Yeah. All those other guys are obviously in the mix. Uh, but as it stands, no team in Europe's big five leagues has seen more league goals scored by Spanish players this season than Chelsea. That'd be 20 in total, and they're level with Real Sociedad. Obviously, the team in La Liga. Uh, but you've got 10 from Morata, 5 from Alonso, 3 from Pedro, and 1 each from Aspilicueta and Fabregas. So, you know, as far as it goes, it's definitely not a bad thing, I would say, at this point. Um, I think it's kind of interesting as you talk about the the culture and kind of the, the chemistry of a team. And what was it Mourinho who was worried about the kind of Brazilian dominance in the locker room and it was like actually wanted to break it up a little bit to me it seems like not only Jeff do these guys have different playing styles but they also have a lot of different personalities as well um, and I think having Fabregas with so much experience just really helps because I've read a couple of interviews of how much he works with some of the other players and kind of helps them and and um, you know passes on a lot of that knowledge which is it's a good Obviously, you need to you need to carry your own. So, um, well, as we head into January's transfer window, um, what do you guys make of Chelsea's mental toughness this season of the current squad? And the reason I kind of bring this up, which I'm sure is probably random to most people listening, is that I had not realized this, but Chelsea have yet to drop a single point from winning positions in the Premier League this season. It's also the third clean sheet in a row in the Premier League and fifth match unbeaten in all competitions since that, and I quote, shock loss to West Ham, end quote. Uh, Nick, over to you. I mean, mental toughness from this team. How surprised are you to hear about that stat about failing to drop a single point if they're in the winning position? 
hey Brandon, before, before Nick says that, I, I just want to commend you. I want I, I want I want to commend him real quick. When his last stat that he brought up about the Spanish players scoring 20 goals in this season uh, and not looking at like a cumulative like year stat, uh, a la the Harry Kane goal scored in a calendar year, which equates <laughs> to zero championships and yep. uh, pressure pot moments. Uh, really well done. Just well, well done with using stats in a wonderful way, Brandon. Well you, done. Mean, you mean in an appropriate way? Like Spurs have the most points over two seasons combined? Doesn't really matter. That's not yeah. a trophy. It's good. Good math lesson for those who are out on vacation and uh, you know just need to brush up on their studies before they go back to school. <laughs> hey, thanks, Dan. All right, Nick, uh, back to you, man. <laughs> yeah, cool. Thanks, Dan. Um, no, I I, uh, I think the mental toughness is there. Um, you know, we're, we're really going to find out here in a couple months. I mean, our fixture list. Uh, may uh, go down a little bit in, in congestion, but up in um, in veracity uh, with some of the the matches that we have coming up. So, uh, yes, I think it's great that uh, we're yet to drop a point for money positions. Um, I'm very pleased with the with the clean sheet, uh, Jeff, and I think that's a major key. Uh, I'm a little bit more worried, perhaps, about how the team reacts going down a goal or two. Um, whereas last year, I think they would have maybe come back and, and tried to win. It appears this year they, they don't necessarily have that final gear. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that part of it is, I mean, Conte comes from you know the, the Italian style of, of closing a game out, but also he doesn't do what Mourinho did. And not to compare the two, not saying that Conte is better or anything like that. It's just I feel like if Chelsea had a 1-0 lead, no matter against who, Burnmouth, you know, Stoke, whoever – you know, you bring on Mikel, you'd bring on another uh, another defender, you'd bring on another defensive midfielder. It seems like Conte is willing to put on, you know, Amishi for Morata for 10 minutes, uh, you know, bring on Pedro, bring on Willian. It's not just bringing on, you know, straight up defensive players. He's he's going to go out there and, and make the, the, the substitutions he thinks will help them win. And whether that's an attacking one, that's, that's fine. It, it doesn't seem like Chelsea are hanging on, um, you know, t- you know, for desperate one nil wins. Uh, as much as they were a couple of years ago, and and you know, I, I do think part of that is just this the style of hey, we're not it, once we go one nil up, we're not going to sit back in our in our third defensive third and hang on against a lesser opponent. We're going to make attacking substitutions and try to go up two nil, three nil, whatever. Uh, I think that plays a big role in it. Um, it it's not um, you know the, the game the game doesn't shut down. Our attack doesn't shut down in the sixty fifth minute if they're up one nothing. I just. I think that's been a, a sort of a big change from a couple of years ago. I think, you know, a lot of that comes from Antonio Conte as well. He doesn't let his players give up. You know, obviously in this Brighton match, it's 0-0. Chelsea are getting chances, right? It's not, you know, as clear cut. But I'm sure Antonio Conte is just preaching from the sidelines and especially at halftime, like stick to the system, stick to what we're doing. It's going to work. Like, don't give up. Don't relent. Keep pushing them back. And sure enough, uh, they're able to get to one immediately after the half. And then it didn't take long after to get the second one. Once you get two at home against a team like Brighton, you know, even though Chris Hutton has done a fantastic job managing this side, I mean, that's it. Like, it's going to set up shop. You know, we pulled his art off. It, you know, the only reason Jeff probably didn't go for even more and more and more is just the fact 
fact that we have another match in three days and then another three days after that. So uh, it's just the crazy season at this point. But I thought overall, you know, I thought Chelsea did a really good job of just playing their game, sticking to their game plan from the beginning and not giving up to it. And Dan, I think that that's really important. We've you know, kind of chopped and changed a couple other times and, and maybe panicked in, at other points. But, you know, from my perspective, I thought Chelsea, it was a very calm and collected professional, maybe I would say, result. I do believe that that presents the the challenge that infuriates or, or maybe tests the patience of, of supporters when there there's a sticking or an adherence to the system, and when the you know the, maybe the creative players, a Hazard and Rata, a uh, Fabregas, are, are not on the pitch or not firing on all cylinders, there's not really any other outlet at this point, especially when we go to the, the five-man midfield that, that is going to potentially, you know, net the goal, whether it's a Bakioko or a Conte. Um, even Moses has had a hard time kind of finding the back of the net here. And, you know, with no, even if we're adhering to the system or producing really great results, like you want to see high-level contribution and execution uh, upon converting these shots. And, you know, th- there needs to be more of that. And, whether it's the system, whether it's the players, whether it's rotation, like the, I think we could kind of debate a lot about where the problem actually lies. Uh, but I think that is probably the one kind of question mark around the mentality for me is that, you know, when, when the goal isn't coming, you know, if, if Hazard's not having a good game or he's going to be kicked out of it, you know, who, who is going to be the person that, you know, stands up and puts in a goal? And does anyone other than, you know, the, the, the other 10 players think it's going to be them in that moment? And I I think that's the question we have to kind of solve for. Well, I guess we'll kind of have to figure out how that goes. But um, I don't know. I guess any other thoughts or comments? Will we kind of leave this open-ended, Nick? We'll throw it your way since, you know, Dan threw that out there. Uh, You know, I think the only thing that I would really look at – you know, for, for me personally, it would be Rudiger uh, kind of stood out to me in this match. I thought that he played really well. Uh, he had a couple, you know, we, we talked, to, uh, you know, after the Everton match um, on the 23rd uh, about, you know, the ability for some of our taller guys to get into the game. Um, what I saw in this game, and, and we were talking about set pieces as well, um, he was able to head a couple balls back across the box that were maybe kind of far post angled. And I really thought that was impressive. You know, it's a simple enough thing to do, um, but we had players kind of kind of waiting for that moment. So I think if you're kind of projecting what uh, Rudiger's role might be in, in set pieces, particularly corners moving forward, it might just be to, to um maybe uh, push the ball back across goal so um, you know one of our other players can knock it in. Uh, that would be pretty awesome to have that as a reliable thing. Well, that's exactly what you want out of that back post kind of run is to put it back across the middle. Um, so, yeah, I you know, great, great performance from him. Uh, Jeff, what about you? Anything that kind of stood out to you that we didn't really touch on? Well, I just want to go back to Dan's point quick is, is that I think that sort of goes back to whether there's enough you know, individual sort of match winning type players, uh, in the squad. And I, I don't, I, I'm not sure that we, that there's enough. I, it's, you know, you look at like a crystal palace or Leicester when they need a goal, it goes to Mares or, or, uh, Wilfried Zaha and Chelsea, when they need a goal, it's, it's Hazard. And I feel like a team of Chelsea stature should have more than, you know, one or two individual options that say, all right, we need a goal, you know, go try to create something. Um, I, I just feel like Chelsea could use, 
you know, another player like that. And obviously it's easy to easier said than done. But um, I do think that that's sort of an issue is that, you know, in the Everton game, when it was down, when it was zero, when it was nil, nil, you know, it's, you're looking around and saying, okay, well, where's Chelsea's goal going to come from? If it's not Hazard, who's, who's going out and scoring a goal. And sometimes it's, it's sort of hard to, to pinpoint somebody that's going to go get a winner in the 85th minute, if it's not going to be Hazard or, or sort of a, a scrum in the box and somebody puts it in the back of the net. No, I think you're right. I think Liverpool and Man City are probably the two best uh, examples of that, right? I mean, multiple guys scoring every single game. United had that a little bit at the beginning of the season, and Spurs haven't had that at all. So, you know, I think you're right there, right? If we Right now we're too over-reliant on Ed Hazard right. to backpack us. I think I think that's a huge issue for us because, you know, can we expect him to play out of his skin every single match? Like, probably not. And unfortunately, this season, don't really have the backup firepower that we've had in the last couple. Um, so we'll have to see. Uh, I don't know how that'll work out, but I think that's a good point, Jeff. Um, all right, Dan, anything? Or should we go to the man of the match poll? I think we should roll to the, the man of the match poll. We'll roll there on, Brandon. sir. Well, we, you know, did have a, a one-match ban on the Man of the Match poll, mainly because <laughs> we recorded right after Everton, but also because uh, celebrations are not allowed. Um, yep. yeah, n- not No fun league transferred over to the Premier League somehow. Uh, the worst export uh, America has given uh, England in quite some time. We're sorry. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, so it went with serious options. Eden Hazard, Marcus Alonso, N'Golo Conte, Morata, Hazard with 40% of the vote. Uh, not far behind, though, Morata with 26 and Alonso with 23. So pretty tightly contested. I uh, did see a couple of shouts for your boy, Assist Bluqueta, though, Nicholas. That's right. Yeah, Dave, Dave was excellent in this match. I think that would be... My only addendum, but, you know, this is a good problem to have, Jeff, when, when there are too many options for man of the match. Yeah, I mean, I, I, don't, I would probably go with Hazard as well, but I do think Morata, he seemed tougher than usual. I mean, we've, we've seen him fall down a lot, uh, even without a ton of contact. I feel like uh, against Brighton, he, he sort of, put, you know, pushed off a few, few challenges and, and, and didn't go down and, and kept the play going. Um, and I just think that's that's probably something we need to see more from him is that you know don't go down to the first sign of contact you know he gets the reputation as a diver won't get any calls and I feel like against Brighton he he was a little bit more physical uh, than he'd been in the past and that's a good sign. I would have actually liked to have seen Moses in there. I thought he found himself in very dangerous positions all match. Which so it's hard because this is like a good performance for him whereas like Conte has already like eh more of the same more greatness so that's kind of way I looked at it I liked what Moses did today it's exactly the same problem Tom Brady has in the MVP race every year oh yeah there it is all the time do you have like a quota you have to meet yeah yeah (laughs) how much is he paying you for that I hope Uh, hope it's a lot just you know free free membership to TB12 method and there you go Uh, yeah (laughs) Who knew if you slept a lot and stretched occasionally that you know it could make you more pliable? And I, don't Frank, don't eat any don't eat any tasty foods. That's another yeah. big part of this life. What a way to live, man! Just <laughs> what a way to live. I'd sacrifice all that for the tens of millions he makes a season. Just saying. I would not. I would. I would. I would <laughs> I eat know, and man. drink. He, he makes a lot of money. He's married to Giselle. He's got a pretty good life. Yeah, but I mean, if you can't what? enjoy a beer with yeah, friends, but... then you know, I, I don't know what life's about. Hey, water with electrolytes, man. It's good stuff. All right. Guac- guacamole ice cream. It's going to be good. Yum. 
<laughs> well, as the table stands, Man City, no surprise, still in first place on 58 points. And we've just crossed the halfway point on their 20th match played. Arsenal are the only team yet to play from the top you know, half-ish. They're going to be playing Crystal Palace. Uh, second place, Man United on 43 points. Chelsea in third on 42. One point away. Damn you, Everton. Liverpool up to fourth on 38. Tottenham in fifth, 37. Arsenal, like I said, with the match in hand in sixth on 34. So, with all that being said, um, again, a little bit of separation, but like this top six is on. I mean, I think that this is not going to be going away anytime soon and that uh, the race for the Champions League spots, Antonio Conte has pretty much said that this is their focus, is that there are six big teams fighting for the Champions League spots and you can already write off the first one having being occupied by Man City. So um, thankfully, Chelsea take on Stoke next, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, you know, they jumped up to 13th, but still nothing nothing to be afraid of. I think that uh, Liverpool playing Leicester could be a good little slip up. And I think United playing Southampton, I just don't think that that's going to go our way, Dan. But any other kind of matchups or thoughts from the top six that you see? Ah, Burnley, man. Hiding there, right, right in plain sight, you know, almost with the victory over United, which would have been fantastic. Uh, real credit to uh, the... I guess they're calling him the Ginger Guardiola now, uh, Nick, for uh, for Sean Dyche, probably the, the the manager of the year at this point. Like City, Man. Uh, you, you know, you could buy a victory, you could buy the league, but what they're doing on, I think, the equivalent of a shoestring budget comparatively is uh, quite quite impressive. I got I, I got major problems with that United match. I think that their their equalizer was a handball in the box, and no one's talking about it because it's United. I, I think Burnley got screwed, and Burnley played an incredible match, so all credit to them. Jeff, I mean, obviously I don't think Crystal Palace are going to surprise City, you know, in their next match. Stoke can be tough, but they've had a bit of a rocky season for Chelsea. I mean, Swansea, Spurs, Swansea, I mean, they're, they're as good as relegated at this point, it seems like. Hey, maybe Southampton with... With with the with Virgil Van Dyke no longer bringing them down, and with the, with the buoyed by seventy five million uh, in their coffers, maybe they're going to come out and and give United a match. That's what I'm hoping for, at least. Just park the money in front of the goal. Yep. Can't can't get Just through. Stack it up. Yeah, that's I mean that's basically their only hope. So. Yeah, that's that's kind of where I feel. So, all right. Well, real quick, um, obviously, our obligatory plug for our second trip this season going to London. So, Nick, will be there at the end of March for, obviously, the Tottenham match. I mean, rival city. Uh, but it's obviously going to be... Um, you know, another trip upcoming. You obviously missed your opportunity to gift it for Christmas, but we still want to help people get hooked up. That's right. So you kind of know the spiel at this point. Uh, we're going. It's going to be a blast. Um, we hope to have some some fun extras included and, and hope that Chelsea uh, do enough against Barcelona to advance into that uh, quarterfinal stage of the Champions League. So if they do, there's potential for a, a Champions League quarterfinal at home, which is absolutely amazing uh, to think about. Uh, Dan, uh, how would someone get registered for such an event? 
Oh, they would just uh, hit up our, our friends at XL Tours and they would get them all situated with a very uh, concierge level white glove experience. Or they can hit us up uh, Facebook, Twitter, email, smoke signal, Raven, uh, electronic communique of any form, and we can get them pointed in the right direction. Awesome. Well, let us know if you guys need anything. But as always, next time or next part, we're going to go to the social media questions. Uh, really interesting one here. So it looks like Dan's been uh, in the comments in Instagram saying winner, winner, <laughs> chicken emoji, chicken emoji, dinner emoji, to which Trina Chase says back, question, did Dan post this? Because this sounds exactly like him on the pod. <laughs> Was uh, it? It, it, it? It was the reply because he, he asked if I if the comment I posted asking for questions, uh, which, who had the better hair, uh, Murata or Marcus Alonso, and uh, he, he 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 pegged me pretty good for for that comment. So uh, well done at uh, identifying the person behind most of the uh, the social media antics this year. Yeah, no, I mean it. You're right. You've been found out. The secret is out, Dan. <laughs> You can blame me for all the uh, Mad Men or Star Wars or uh, holiday gifts uh, throughout the uh, match recaps during the, uh, the during the game. All right. Um, well, next one we got from Matra on Instagram says, "If Baka Yoko is the answer, what is the question?" So Nick, we're gonna come to you. Jeff, you're the follow up, so we're gonna let him fall, and you be ready to pick up the pieces. We just got jeopardy uh, right there. Man, yeah. Okay, so yeah, do I have to answer in the form of a question? Like, what happens? Um, no, you have to answer in the form of a question. What is the question? Oh man, this stuff. Um, if Bakayoko is the answer, uh, what is a lack of physicality in the midfield? Question mark. I don't know. I, I I don't know, guys. He's he's clearly better in the two midfield with with Conte next to him than he is in the three. So I mean that could be another weird rotation thing coming up, Jeff. That you know I think you know Drinkwater just gets uh, forward better than than he does and plays that role a little, a little bit better. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think part of it is because when he does play, answer the former question. <clears throat> uh, I have to do that. I have to do that too. I yeah. thought it, I thought it was just you. Nope. I mean, if I'm if oh, I'm man. falling on this right. sword, you are too. Um, the question would be, um, who's the player <laughs> I want Leaf shooting the ball from 18 yards out with the with the match on the line? That would be my that would be my question that he could answer. <laughs> oh, oh man, you just killed the poor guy. Come on. I mean, I was going to go with who's the player who's struggling so bad right now but has so much potential, you want to keep him in there. Like, that's where I'm at. I, but I'm so the I went negative, optimist. you went balanced, and, I, you and know, Nick went positive. So exactly. it's fine. And we balanced it out. It's good. We hit the trifecta, the yin and yang between all of us. We, we got it. Um, all right. Winter Window at Nathan Allen 20 says, do you guys agree that we are missing a box to box midfielder, one that can create chances, score some goals and would not be not afraid to go in hard on a tackle like a Vidal or even a Leon Gretzka would be nice. January signing your thoughts. I mean, Dan, again, my problem is you essentially tried to buy that in Bakayoko. Are we already cutting our losses on this 40 million dollar experiment? No, but I, I do think there's an opportunity to figure out if Roman Abramovich did, uh, you know, 
attempt cloning of Frank Lampard at some point, and is that clone <laughs> ready and available uh, this January to uh, play because we don't have enough uh, outside-the-box uh, shots occurring to find a different way to try to break through these uh, rather stingy, uh, packed, packed bus defenses that we've been going up against uh, from some of the clubs we've been facing recently. So uh, I, I think you want a player like that that can score. I think if you're looking at like, some of the youth ranks, like who's doing that right now, I think you look at like Mason Mount, uh, who's playing for Vitesse, uh, who's doing a, a real, real wonder job from a midfield perspective. And I think he represents to me like the future of what, what that could look like for us. Um, I think, uh, you know, uh, Gorsteka would be uh, interesting, but I, you know, I think, you know, he's been linked with uh, Barcelona and other clubs and, you know, probably ends up leaving, getting a, a pretty sizable salary because he's out of contract and, you know, can't really command much of a fee there from, from Schalke's perspective. Well, and I what think about, the other about, one... What about, what about, rec- what about rec- uh, obviously, you know, loan recalls don't really happen. Maybe they did last year, obviously, with Nathan Ake, but... What about recalling either Loftus Cheek or Marco Van Enkel? I mean, it's it seems like one of them, especially uh, Van Enkel, who scored I think he scored ten goals already. Um, I, I don't know. At least, so I, I feel like they would give more in attack from midfield um, than anybody on the current roster. I think I think Ruben is a good good shout. I I don't know if we would cancel his loan, um, right. especially because he is playing ninety minutes every week at this point uh, and has actually had a positive run of fitness, which has been one of his kind of biggest struggles you know, and, and kind of knocks against him is stamina and, and fitness. And so if he can keep playing right now, I, I would wonder, you know, do we feel like we need him to secure kind of top four? Um, I, don't, I don't know necessarily if we do. And if that's kind of the goal and the club is kind of okay with that as the sole option, then maybe we, we continue to let him progress and then, bring him back into the squad fully next season. Yeah, I like Ruben Loftus-Cheek staying, even if that's like sacrificing a little bit for the now. I mean, again, this is the best opportunity he's ever had. Like, we can't cut it short. Um, Yes, Jeff, Mark Van Hinkle, Tweeds was tweeting out that he has hit 10 goals, has a handful of assists, is very much a box-to-box midfielder. He seems like someone, I know it's the Air Divisier, but he has the profile of a player uh, they could come back and play. And he's also older and more mature than Mason Mount and Ruben Loftus-Cheek. He's actually been in the Chelsea first team squad before. I'm okay with that, right? Because then you kind of give him your chance. Be like, all right, here's your chance, Marco. Like, do or die, sink or swim. Uh, can you take this opportunity? And I would really like to see him come in, you know, in the midfield because he's also not, you know, 40 million price tag. He's not really going to ruffle feathers in the team. Um, but he'd be able to put his head down and work and, and try to get a spot. So I like your Van Hinkle shout. I think that's a good one. Nick, anything you want to throw in or should we keep going? You guys have basically covered all the available Got it. midfielders. So I'm good. Yeah. All right. So the next one is from at Sam Joe. 259 uh, saying what realistic transfers do we need in January um, to keep our chances going and then he also follows that up with do you see Eden or Tebow signing extensions so Nick we will leave this one open ended for you oh man yeah I mean so ideally those guys sign extensions have to. ASA 
F P. Um, if you get the F in that, that would be ideal. Um, you know, I think, I think there's a, a big kind of elephant in the room, uh, around transfers and Antonio Conte's future, you know, how, you know, this team is built now, is it going to be built for, you know, potentially a new manager in the, in the coming year? So like, I, there's a lot of variables right now. I know for a fact, you know, and we, and we said this a couple of weeks ago too, if the goal is to advance to the Champions League final, for example, and we know that we're going to have to go through a buzzsaw to do that, then we need another left back, we need another striker, and we need another midfielder, you know, perhaps a lone recall or something, just to provide depth. Uh, those are the bare minimum things that we need. And if David Luiz indeed goes uh, to Real Madrid in uh, in January, which is kind of the you know, justified rumor right now, then we'll need another def- uh, defender as well. And, and that to me is, is just the basics. Um, you know, I think that, you know, we're, we're not looking for, you know, the, the Neymars of the world are like a high dollar transfer. We're just, we're kind of looking for warm bodies who are able to contribute in a meaningful way, Jeff. And that's kind of how I feel about it. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I think it's a lot. I mean, and again, going back to the Everton match is is when you know Chelsea needed someone to come on and we're chasing the game, need a winner. And Conte looks at his bench and he pretty much the only option he has left uh, was bringing on Zappa Costa for Victor Moses. And that's I mean that's just embarrassing. It's it's you know for that to sort of be your your final attacking sub and and you know there's there was really no other option. And then you could sort of say oh Conte could have gone with you know Callum Hudson Odoi or somebody like that, but. Yeah, that wasn't realistic. And to me, it's just you—you you, you need more options. Like you said, you need bodies, just guys to to come on, you know, provide depth, uh, you know, with you know, be rotation options in you know a, a busy fixture period. They could start a few matches, just guys like that. Like you say, we're not looking for you know Alexis Sanchez is a pipe dream. You know, guys like that—they're not going to happen. Um, just guys that can come in and and. And be rotation squad players, and 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 come on and, and score big goals, or um, you know play in midfield, or be a backup or starting left back. Just just sort of guys to fill out the squad, basically. And well, I mean better than that, but just just you know squad upgrades on what we have at the bottom of the of the roster right now. What do you guys think about um, Bubba Rockman coming back in? I mean, you think that. Uh he's a better option than Kennedy at left wing back. Um, I mean, I know obviously we're not watching him training, but let's assume he's back to close to where he was. I mean, that's probably like welcome depth in that position. Uh, Yeah. I mean, uh, look, I think anybody who's able to spell Marcus Alonso and not give us uh, panic attacks about positioning on the field is probably good enough. Um, you know, there, there were rumors of Bertrand earlier in the summer. You know, I wouldn't mind that either. He's a little bit on, on the older side now, but you know, sure. You know, let's, let's grab that depth. You know, there's, there's a lot of like rumored players out there, but and I think for Chelsea to pull the trigger, it's going to have to be for the right price, i.e. not investing too much in a manager's philosophy that may not be around at the start of next year. And then, being able to slot those players directly into the team, uh, potentially in Champions League matches, so they can't be cup tied. Uh, you know, those that's a short list of players, Dan, and and that's going to be really hard to pull off when everyone knows that we're kind of desperate at this point. Yeah, you, you're going to pay more during the winter window, so that that's a definite. And I think the the names that are starting to circulate, you know, I think 
everyone's looking at, you know, is Mares potentially an option? You know, he's kind of started to come back into form, got a new hair, you know, hairstyle. People seem to like that. <laughs> um, maybe, maybe not. Um, I mean, Van Ginkel is, is really interesting. You know, he's, he's Chelsea Loney. So, you know, depending on what his contract looks like, recall could be an option. Uh, I've seen Vardy bounded about too, but just from an age perspective, I just, I just don't see how that happens for us. Um, uh, Leon Bailey was the other one. The, the Jamaican player for Leverkusen uh, has been kind of bounded about very recently, uh, potentially a uh, rejected bid of around like 20 million pounds. Uh, I think Arsenal is also rumored to be in for him too. So, uh, you know, the Chelsea seems to be looking. Have we, have we all given up the uh, Alexandro dream? Not it won't happen now. It would it would yeah. happen in the summer. Like I think we have to look a little bit more immediate than that. Well, I think it has to be. Does you know Antonio Conte stay? Which I think all of us on this podcast would would hope that he does, and that the rumors are exaggerated. But I, I don't know if you buy him. I mean, you could play him as a a, a full left back. So I mean, that is totally an option. Uh, but I mean, he really you know is better. I think as a wing back. Um, but yeah, you're not paying, you know, 60 million potentially transfer fees. If you know, you know, you're not going to be appeasing that manager. You're going to go reward the new manager because the new manager always gets the new toys at Chelsea. True. Well, if we look at our historical January transfer window, there's not a lot to look forward to since last season, we didn't bring in anybody season before we brought in Miazga, which was never going to be playing legend. He's a legend. Yeah. Don't, we, don't you say a bad word. We, I'm not going to say a bad <laughs> word, but we know when we signed him, he was not to come in and start playing right away. Uh, then you had Quadrado, 14-15 season. And then the 13-14, we had Modic, Sala, Zuma all come in, Demba Ba in 12-13, and Willis Oliveira. So thank you from Chelsea Reddit for putting that together. But, you know, we're not looking at, at you know, big-time kind of signings. I mean, Quadrado probably was supposed to be. Sala was supposed to be. Modic Ma- Modic is was. the big one there. I mean, right. that's the huge one. right. You know, but other than that, like all I'm saying is maybe you get a player for depth, at least historically. So we'll obviously just, you know, kind of keep our hands folded and sit on them and wait and see what happens because there's no way uh, we're going to have any idea what's happening until it's already done. Um, I, I think the, Ch- the Chelsea chat- Twitter is known for being patient with transfers. So oh, this, yeah. This go oh, yeah. Well. It's a recipe for extreme <laughs> success, much like, uh, you know, uh, politically divided aunts and uncles and family yeah. members during the holiday period and alcohol. It all, all works out really well, usually. Mm-hmm. Well, the next one's coming up is from our new best friend, Rainier Blues. Asking us if you boys had to take a rocket to the old bean bags from five yards out, <laughs> which Chelsea player would you choose? Which player would you be least likely to choose? Uh, Obviously, man, this, this is very topical, Nick. This graphic, by the way, it's uh, he's he's photoshopped. Uh, Mike has photoshopped the the ball with a rocket emoji going straight into the nether regions um, uh, of a poor Brighton player, um, and it's pretty brutal to look at. So. Uh, if I had to choose, so we're basically we want this to be the softest possible yeah uh, co- connection. <laughs> uh, so it would not be Courtois for sure. Um, oh hell no! no uh, I think I think on current form, I'm going with um, with Bakayoko. I knew because, he's coming. Miss you, yeah. 
Yeah, there, so there's a there's an uh, odds on chance that he he may not even hit you. You know, if you're if you're playing uh, soccer tennis with me and and some of my friends here in Kansas City, and you kick it over the the tennis court, we do a thing called butts up, where you essentially have to stand there and let people take shots at you um, and try and hit you in the ass. Uh, so you don't want to do that. And when it when it happens and they connect with most of other parts of your body except for your butt, it's not fun. So I'm going to go with Bakayoko, even though he's a tank. Yo, I've got the winner. No one can argue with this. Conte, because he's Damn too it, nice mine. to take that's it mine. and hit you. <laughs> <laughs> what about uh, Alonzo? I feel like he would have such a majestic hit. It would just be like this beautiful curling ball to your <laughs> your balls. And like, it would just, and it would just like, it would, you, would, you, you wouldn't even mind. It would just be like so perfectly hit. It would curve. It would just be great. Uh, I, I think Conte is, is the real one. Because I, I think he would like kick it as soft as possible because he would be so like heart heartbroken and crestfallen that he actually had to do it afraid to hurt he you would just, he, he's like I, I can't do this like i, I can't he would, he would fake a shot and then dribble past you <laughs> yeah <laughs> um another one from loyal usu fan on instagram says can we all pull our money together to buy bakioka some new boots that aren't covered in crisco his shots uh, were about as good as des bryant's hands this week um yeah i'm we can start a gofundme we can start a kickstarter i'm up for that yeah, I, I feel like we have our friends at World Soccer Shop here that could probably help us out. And, uh, you know, along with getting a Cispilicueta as a jersey option um, on their on their site, I feel like this is our next core responsibility to, uh, to Chelsea Football Club. We'll have to get that sorted out then. Um, obviously, we got to, you know, make this next one quite topical. We cheated a little bit, Dan, because we actually wrote the question. But seeing that Jeff is the resident college expert at ESPN for basketball, um, what what question did you have teed up for him? Oh, you know, we, we had Chris Fowler on recently, fellow ESPN uh, analyst, and you know, we asked him what's the college football program that would be be most like Chelsea, or the and the coach that would be most equivalent to Antonio Conte. Uh, who is uh, or what program at College Hoops is uh, is most like the Blues? Uh, it's it's tough because so it's got to be a sort of a, a consistent power, but not one of like sort of the blue bloods of the sport. And so I went with I would go with Louisville. You know they they Ooh. sort of came into power. You know they they had this influx of money. They got a new athletic director uh, a couple of decades ago, Tom Jurich. He hired Rick Pitino. So it's just like Chelsea getting. You know, taken over by Roman Abramovich, who who put all this money into the the team. Louisville started getting a ton of money from boosters, donors, things like that. Uh, they became sort of nouveau rich. Now they're, I think, they're the most valuable college basketball program in the country. Um, at the same time, they still, in terms of you know recruiting and things like that, their fans still sort of look enviously at Kentucky. Uh, you know, their in-state rival at the way that they recruit and and get five-star guys. And I feel like that's the same way Chelsea supporters sort of look at City or United or Madrid or teams that just buy, 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 and still buy, buy, buy. Um, you know, Louisville gets very good players. They don't, they don't you know, splash money. I mean, not, well, not in college basketball. They don't go out and get top 10 guys all the time. I feel like that's similar to Chelsea. They don't go out and get Neymar. They'll go out and get Marat or somebody like that. That's still very good, just not the the top five guy. And so I just I think that it's similar. And also Rick Pitino always had drama when he was the head coach at Louisville. Obviously Chelsea managers are known to um, have some drama themselves. So I just feel like that was that hit that checked the most boxes in terms of similarities. 
That was good. Well, 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 uh, well put together thought there. Thanks. I had, I had time to prep when I saw the tweet because I saw the picture. I didn't like the way I looked and I got angry and decided <laughs> to come up with an answer to the question. Distract so them our, with my yeah. intelligence. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Blame our boy Mike for that. Uh, although, <laughs> although hilarious, um, he he always gets me looking like a fool on these, so that's good. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, real quick, just want to let you guys know that you should follow us on Instagram. Uh, we've been doing some really cool stuff, obviously, with uh, Mike helping out on social as well as um, Chris Axon's photos. Um, we're going to continue to post his stuff and links to his blog. You guys really need to go check it out. He's a season ticket holder. He goes to all the games and has a fantastic blog that he does after pretty much every single match. And so we're going to do a better job about linking to him, but um, go check it out. Uh, Nick, do you remember Chris Axon's uh, Instagram hashtag right off the top of your head? His Instagram hashtag? I'm sorry, Instagram handle. Username? Handle. Um, it is, let me let me pull it up. Dan, distract our listeners with something witty. Um, it's, uh, it. it's Chris Axon uh, CFC. Yes. Yes, there it is. Well, nice. nice. I, I don't even have to be witty. I can just be yeah. super smart. Factual. Good. Um, so there, there's also a, a sneaky thing we're going to give our listeners of this show um, uh, a peek into, and that we'll, we'll be doing a, uh, a really fun uh, sort of contest giveaway thing at the beginning of the year, uh, date TBD, as we're all kind of recovering from our our holiday here but uh it's something that we worked with the club directly on and and are really excited to to get out into the world so tell your friends tell your family come follow us enjoy some some witty content and uh and yeah it'll be great yeah following on instagram is going to be an important part of that just just to set the tone if wink wink if i don't know how much more of a, a nudge you need but instagram do it all right, it doesn't well, work on audio, Nick. Are you sure? <laughs> All right. Well, the next match is uh, just real quick. We'll touch on the Stoke City. It's going to be another Premier League match at Stamford Bridge on Saturday, December thirtieth. Uh, the biggest thing is obviously will Conte continue to rotate with two more matches coming up in seven days? You know, Stoke have been on a pretty poor run, but they've, you know, considering that they lost three of their last five, but they have beaten West Brom and drawn Huddersfield uh, in their last two performances. So, you know, not not a whole lot to talk about here, I don't think. I mean, Mark Hughes was rumored to be on the chopping block. Essentially, they said if he didn't beat West Brom, he was out. They did beat him three to one, um, but they really, I mean, the five wins, five draws, 10 losses, only averaging about a goal a game and conceding over two is not a recipe for success. And it's not really a recipe that we've seen Mark Hughes kind of put out in his Stoke teams uh, at all. So thankfully, Dan, we don't have to travel to Stoke on a rainy night, but we still are going to have to take care of the business and, um, you know, knock off the potters. Yeah, and you know, I think looking ahead into later in the week, you know, and you know, kind of after the dust has settled, you know, you see Arsenal coming up, uh, you know, midweek, and then you see uh, the Norwich City match. So it, it's going to be a, a tight run of fixtures. So I think the rotation piece that you highlighted on, you know, if we're going to see Danny Drinkwater come into the match, uh, this this might be a good time for that to happen. Uh, hopefully, Christensen's healthy. Healthy, otherwise, you're going to see uh, Gary Cahill. Center striker or center uh, sweeper round two. So I mean that would be uh, 
you know, that, that would be the things I would look for is like, is the team healthy enough? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, Brandon. I, I'm looking directly at Murata in this match. Um, you know, he, he's been suspended and injured and, you know, I think it you know, needs a, a, a really nice run of matches to get ready for what's going to be an incredibly difficult February for the club, um, let alone January. Uh, so uh, I think we need to get him in good form. And, and this might be a match, you know, I'm not taking my foot off the gas here, but it might be a match where Eden Hazard could uh, potentially get a rest with Arsenal coming up uh, on the following Wednesday. So uh, there there could be a, a number of rotational options and maybe maybe it's a chance for Drinkwater to, to get his spot as well. Jeff, what do you think about Chelsea potentially going back to the 3-4-3 and again switching formations almost every other match again? I mean, I guess, do you think that that's too much switching kind of all the time? No, I feel like this would be the match to do that. I think this is a match where uh, you know, Chelsea are going to have possession. They're going to have the ball in, in Stokes' defensive third. And I think having just more attackers out there, you know, when you have three midfielders, Drinkwater, Bakayoko, Kant, it's just, there's just not a lot of of attacking threats. And, you know, obviously Kurt Zuma, who might be the best best player on Stoke this season, he won't be able to play. Um, so I just think that their, their, their defense is going to be, is going to be shorthanded. And um, I just think this would be the match to, to sort of throw more attackers out there, see if you can get, you know, up, to get two or three goals before halftime if obviously that's that hasn't happened that often this season but you know be able to take your foot off the gas and rest some guys uh for the upcoming matches but i don't know i feel like i always fear stoke more than than necessary i always feel like shakiri is going to have some sort of you know majestic run uh where he's just going around all all the chelsea back line but um this should be a, a match that chelsea win Definitely should be. I mean, I think that whether it's Duf or Crouch up top, our three backs should be able to handle that no problem. Um, and I like that. You know, let's kind of throw throw a lot of attackers at them and, and you know, make them defend even more than what they're used to. So, uh, again, you won't have to wait long for this match as it'll be coming up real quick, as we said, on this Saturday. So, um, with that being said, let's go ahead and wrap up with some final thoughts. Uh, obviously, always a huge thank you uh, to Jeff joining us, hanging out with us for a little over an hour, um, you know, on this Wednesday midweek night. Um, but, again, just thank you. Love having you on. Ah, thanks. And uh, I just want to say, you guys, uh, you always seem to be uh, one of the most level-headed uh, Chelsea uh, uh, support supporter groups uh, <laughs> out there. It's, there's just always a lot of negativity uh, on social media. So it just uh, to to hear positive, positive, and oh, we're only one point out of second, and um, you know, it just I don't know. I feel like that uh, that some positivity and optimism is is needed at a time like this. A little bit of realism. That's all we're trying to bring to the world, Jeff. You guys do it. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, Dan, uh, what about you, man? You know, uh, good on uh, that point, uh, Jeff. You know, I think there's a level of uh, deflated element in the air because, you know, we've watched, you know, uh, this magnificent run of a season last year. And, and now Man City are, have basically found a way to have an even better, you know, performance this year, um, you know, after spending and you know pushing their way to the top of the league and it's fantastic and i mean it's it's actually just a brilliant football and a joy to watch and uh while you wish it was us at the top there uh, it's not so uh, you know find things that you can enjoy in, in the games right now whether it's uh you know marcus alonzo playing extremely well uh and you know kind of converting a, a header this game 
Eden Hazard's great form, you know, what Christensen is doing. It might actually be a great time too, you know, if you haven't invested time to watch some of these these lone players, whether it be uh, Mason Mount, Van Ginkle, uh, Ruben Loftus-Cheek. You know, there's a lot of additional football that you could be uh, watching this time of year if you've got a little extra time. And, uh, you know, there's, there's some great talent out there within the, the Chelsea, you know, kind of uh, global football dominance program that we run. So uh, good, good opportunity to maybe expand what you're watching right now and, and find some different ways to uh, be excited uh, about this kind of season. Just more and more optimism. Just pour it on, Dan. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, we probably won't spend 70 million pounds for uh, Ian Van Dyke because uh, he's off to Liverpool. So, you know, not, not wasting 75 million there. Well, I don't think Liverpool could have spent any amount of money and considered it a waste if it were on a defender. But anyways, Nick... What about you, man? So yeah, to to round up my ESPN uh, trio of uh, of thanks, you know, with Fowler and then um, with our boy Rosello here. Um, uh, Ryan Rosello is a, a major podcast influencer for me. Uh, someone who I've listened to, you know, back when it was SVP and Rosello, um, and all the way through kind of current day iterations of his show. And his last show was Friday and. You know, obviously he's not listening to this, but um, just a major shout out to him and all the work that he did. And I took a lot of um, kind of notes from, uh, you know, a lot of the types of segments that they do and a lot of the um, the way that, you know, he appeared to prepare for, for shows and things like that. So I just want to give him a shout out. I mean, we, we're all influenced by by different reporters or different podcasters or, or Twitter accounts. And uh, he's definitely one of mine. So just a shout out. No, that's super cool. Obviously, you know, we didn't come into this with a whole ton of experience. So we are definitely standing on the shoulders of the people that have came before us. So um, that's very cool to hear, Nick. Thanks for sharing, man. Uh, But anyways, Chelsea fans, that's going to do it for this episode. So as always, uh, until next time, keep the blue flag flying high. If you don't want the conversation to stop... Make sure to follow the London is Blue podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you want to support the pod, you can leave a five-star review in iTunes or donate on Patreon.com. The London is Blue podcast, presented by WorldSoccerShop.com.